basically. People walking around and they have they're seeking relief. Why wouldn't you? You know, if the apparatus is pretty well built, which it is, there's an irritability, restlessness, and discontent, and people are seeking relief. It's sort of like let's say you see a boat on the water and uh, all the cargo of that boat is on the front end, it's gonna sink, yeah. It doesn't mean the boat is, is prone to sinking, it's just a distribution of weight. Yeah? So the boat is able to ride the surface and probably navigate pretty well, but it's where the weight is. If the weight's on the back, you know, it's going to be really slow, probably fun, it's going to go under. So a weight that we have here that you don't see is like interest and attention because we give meaning to things, yeah? That's just called the subjective experience. So what is a meaning, in a way, you could translate it into a set of weight. Yeah? Something really means something. Like, let's say if you have an incident where you have two incidents that look the same. A girl that you met and you liked, whatever, hung out with, leaves you. Yeah? Another girl you met, hung out with, and leaves you. And so there would be a reaction to that. Not the event, really, but the meaning the mind gives the event. So let's say the first girl that leaves you your reaction isn't that strong because you didn't give her that much meaning. You know? It's like a one-night stand. Oh, I like her or whatever, you know, but I can do without her. I can, I'll just go to another club tomorrow night. Yeah. So when she leaves, it's not a big reaction. You almost get over it in a day or whatever. You know? Blah, 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 blah. Then another, the other woman, though, leaves you. The meaning you gave her was that she was a fairy princess or the one or whatever. You know, she was special. So when she leaves you, which is the exact same event as the other person, it has a much different reaction yeah, because of the meaning my mind gave it. My mind gave the one girl, hey, she's a nice pretty girl, I'd like to go horizontal with her, let's say. Then the other girl, hey, she's the one, you know, whatever. And, you know, tons of meaning is put on her then. She's there to save me, or, you know, way past her, her uh scale, you know, I'm putting an inordinate amount of expectation on her and responsibility. She can't deliver the goods, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're the same event. You're just changing objects, you know. One girl looks different than the other girl, but it's the same event. So, but it's the meaning that my mind gives it. So, the, there's a weight to meaning. Yeah? If I give something a real big meaning and it leaves... It produces some, what you would call really a heavy state, a heavy feeling, you know? Usually you call it to get depressed, you isolate, yes? you start maybe drinking or doing something because it's too heavy. And what happens, you want to get relief from the heaviness. Now, anyone seeing you can't see the heaviness, I mean physically. It's not like you've got a piano on your head you're walking around with, yeah? You can sense it if you've been through the same thing. You can sense someone's heavy. But you don't see it, do you? You know, it's not like, oh, he's got 20 chairs stacked up on his head. I understand why he's traveling so heavy today. But there's a weight to it. It's just a different kind of weight. You know, a mental weight or a, another level of weight that we don't, you know, see here. So that is what's happening all day. And if you notice with yourself in your own day experience or others, most of the distribution of weight in my life or attention is on my mental condition. The mental condition is the dominant condition. I'm listening to the thoughts more than the sense of smell, definitely, and other senses, you know? A lot of times you're not touching many people during the day. 
you know, hopefully, <laughs> in certain cases, you know, you're rubbing up against the things of that, but you're not really feeling uh, physical contact usually during the day. You know, smelling, usually, in a, let's say you're in a building, it's pretty stale, you're not smelling all these different flowers and stuff like that. Muse, you're not, maybe there's music going on, you're not, you're tuned out of that. But yet, there's a lot of attention up there, you know, what the head's telling you, and it's, it's traveling a lot too. It's in the past, you know, going over why this day sucks, because it wasn't like that great day. Or a future that always seems to be better when it's not here. <laughs> or in some cases, or worse when it's not here. When we arrive, it's here. <laughs> it never can lose its quality of here-ness. You know, but we, but in the mental realm, we make a quote-unquote future here into a there. And so we can really riff on it. We can go, wow, it's going to be terrible. I'm going to be destitute and have cancer. And you're sitting in Pacific Heights and you super physically well, you know? It's no matter what your condition is now, the mind can override it pretty easy. Yeah? Because why? It's got a lot of power. Why? Because we're invested in it a lot. Our power source is really uh, being sucked dry to keep that going. Yeah? A lot of thoughts are being produced. You know, projected all day, seventy thousand a day. They say that's a lot of electricity. You know, so our power source is getting all the all the wiring is going up here in some in some cases, and so we live in interpretation. And there has a whole different weight scale and a whole different levels of importance that you can't put outside on a graph that everyone would agree with. You know, it's just it's just a subjective experience going on every day, even though. The, uh, the contact is the same. It's always consciousness that provides the contact. The physicality may be different, but the same situation occurs as conscious contact. But then from there, the mental take on it can be very abstract. You, know? you can really make a lot of something out of nothing. So I find people are looking for a way to travel lighter. They may call it like a spiritual path or, or, a, or a, 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 a course to success on the material world if that's what they believe will do it. Yeah? But we're mostly either buying other people's goods or some historical goods to translate into, if I have that, I'll be okay in some level. Yeah? And then if you get subtler, it'll be like, if I have that spiritual realization, I'll be okay. Or if I have the right teacher, I'll be okay. Or if I have all my books with me when I travel, I'll be okay. Or as long as if I do my meditation every day, I'll be okay. There's always a, a sort of prescribed, circumstantial, conditional uh, state we have to achieve to stay okay or be okay. Yeah? You don't see that as slavery? I see that as slavery. Really. I see that as slavery. You're always put to a task <laughs> I mean, I mean, really. <laughs> but let's. Besides that point, for me, it is slavery. If you watch it, when the mental condition—that's why in recovery they talk about a spiritual condition—and in a way, you hear it. 
with the mental way it's set up, the mental framing is that you're going to get a spiritual condition, as if you know you could go to Target and get a you know a cheap spiritual condition, or you could shop at Nordstrom's and get a more expensive spiritual condition. You know, one may work better than the other, but you can't return either. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but the whole point is, I find it's really more of a diminishing of a mental state. Yeah. When the, the mental state gets diminished, and I mean the power that it's sucking up gets gets uh, denied it, yeah? It's not being able to suck up all your attention and interest, yeah? When that mental state gets a little more, the distribution changes, it's sort of like moving all that weight on the front of the ship and then distributing it more equally. So now you're in contact and you're aware of the conscious contact, yeah? You can really feel things, you taste your food, you hear something, it sounds so incredible, yeah? When you hear something, you actually hear the silence that envelops that note, and all this stuff's happening. And so your interest and attention is expanding down different avenues. It's not going down this one-lane one lane road into selfing all day, yeah? And it enriches one's life. The same attention that is enslaving some people, that they will do anything today to not feel the way they're feeling if they've been up all night and stuff like that. They'll shoot another shot of coke, or they'll drink, or they'll do something, anything to get out of what their mind is stubbornly persisting to go back to, which is thoughts and all like that, yes? That, that all that stuff won't arise because the attention will be distributed in a more, like a, a let's say, more appropriate manner. Yeah. So you'll be sensing things, smelling things, thoughts will be coming on. Sometimes they're quite funny if you watch them, because the thing is funny. It's funny in its seriousness. It really is. It's hilarious how serious it can get. Yeah, It's funny if you're listening in that way. And then, so now everything's distributed, and suddenly that boat that kept sinking is now traveling lighter. It's traveling better over the terrain of the ocean, where it couldn't do it before. Every little thing would be like a big mountain to it, you know? Oh, always rough seas ahead or something, yes? Or or the mythical, like, Hawaiian islands. I'll get there someday. You know, all this baloney, hope and all that. You're just basically okay now. You're just traveling later. You're feeling, you're seeing, you're tasting, you're touching, you're seeing the thoughts, yeah? You, uh, you're engaged. You're having relations to people, you're having relations to things, you're having a relation to no thing, in a sense. You're sensing presence, you're, you're, feeling, you're feeling things that are very abstract, in a way. They're not taking form, but you're sensing it. And I'll tell you, it produces a sense of contentment or satisfaction that really soothes the big beast of the self-thing. It does. You just feel, you lose interest in a lot of stuff. You lose interest in the, the drive to be liberated. You see it's pointless to try to be liberated from something you can never be bound to. Well, why can you need to be liberated? And it sounds corny, but it's actually true. Yeah. So things just chill out, and you get up, and it's a Saturday, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> whatever in front of you, you go show up for. And the obviousness that you're there overrides all the all the mental masturbations about there and then. You know, you're here. And that becomes the established point. And it's a pretty good point to start with every day, where you are. It is. And where you are starts informing you where you are. And you keep going, and everywhere you are is where you are. 
<laughs> no matter how far in the future you put it, when you get there, it's where you are. <laughs> and then you start picking up some interesting ideas. Well, it's really weird because there can't be a moment without me in it. I'm like a major part of the equation of any moment that I've ever been in. And in fact, I can't be out of any moment because I'm really the moment in a sense. Without me, there ain't no moment. <laughs> you may be having a moment, but that's a big fucking story to me because I'm not, I'm gone. Yeah? But every moment in my life I've been in, so what's the point of trying to get into a moment? <laughs> I mean, can I really improve on how I'm in the moment? I can maybe change the, you know, the ornamental part, you know, maybe look a little more like shaven or something. But basically, I can't improve the basic fact that I'm in the moment. I can't get more in it. <laughs> and I would say that wanting to get more in it is a way of believing I could be out of it. So I believe a mental impossibility. Yeah, and I start taking once I start buying a little bit of these impossibilities. The first one being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity—that's that's an impossibility my mind had bought. From that point, once the impossibility is now turned into what's possible, anything's fucking possible. Yeah, you can be so absorbed in what's not happening, you're basically living as if you're not here today. And yet you're so afraid of missing life while you're missing life. <laughs> it's like a... And you can't get out of it. Self can't get out of self. So, and the, the other side of it is this, this idea of getting out of self. Everyone would love to get out of self. That's what they're doing today. Right? Saturday, they go shopping, surfing, whatever it may be. They're really attempting to get out of themselves. They like the little break from it. You know, they'd like to have a vacation. And every time you get out of oneself, it seems to verify from whence you came that you're actually in self. <laughs> so every trip to get out of self, I found, was a verification of the impossibility that I'm in self. That was the trick. Yeah? So when I stopped trying to get out of self, I realized I'm not in self. <laughs> <laughs> and so why the fuck do I want to try to get out of it all day <laughs> I can't get out of what I'm not in it's impossible, try it try to leave where you're not it's impossible, try to leave Omaha right now you can't, you're not there <laughs> you can buy all the maps you can talk to a lot of people I can't wait to leave Omaha you can even make a lot of people believe you're in Omaha but you're not in Omaha <laughs> You're here thinking about being in Omaha. Yeah. So what would happen is, how? why is it that I believe I could be somewhere that I'm not? Well, because I'm addicted, to, my attention and interest is addicted to a thought system that believes that. The thought system believes you can be somewhere else than where you are. Now, I didn't have that belief when I was a kid. So when I was playing, I wasn't worried about playing next week because I didn't have any idea of time yet. Yeah? So when I was playing, there was, no, I, there was no effort to be the one who was playing because I didn't entertain, I could be doing anything else at, the, at that moment. Yeah, it was beautiful, very immediate, very simple. I wasn't, and therefore, there was no drive to know the truth or spirituality. I wasn't looking, you know, to you know, join a retreat or anything because there was no need. There was a total sense of, of the immediacy of being alive. Yeah. What happened? 
Well, I would say something outgrew that and grew into something else. And I think we grew into a mental state. And that mental state probably has about 80% of our interest and attention. And the other 10 and 20% is being distributed very, very inappropriately by now the controller and the master, right, to your body and to the other things where you can't even take care of yourself, a lot of people. They don't even know what's ailing them. We're totally lost when it comes to the body, yet we can go over the minutiae of what that person meant when they were saying that thing to us yesterday. You know? Just dig into it and scalpel it and, and you know, do an anatomy check of everything, yet we can't even, we don't even know the difference between a cold and a flu. We're totally out to lunch, yeah? Why is that? If all my intention and interest is sucked up in the mental realm, what am I living sort of as a mental realm? So an appearance, the appearance of me up there, or what's called Paul, is what I take myself to be. I have no connection to the conscious contact. The conscious contact, which is the facilitator of all, is totally underappreciated. All I'm obsessed about is what's happening to me. Am I getting mine? Are they getting more than me? This and that, yes? It's a sickness of mind, because the mind has too much attention. It really does. If you go to other countries where their, their fixation isn't on the mind, like certain, like in Tibet, they don't even have a word for self or ego. Tibetan language. I went to see a Tibetan Lama, he just laughed at me. He says, you fucking Westerns think too much. It was a great, great diagnosis. He says, what the fuck are you talking about? You get up, you shit, you eat, you do your chores, you go take a nap. That's what life is. <laughs> and I was like, but! And they were, happy. they were just laughing and smiling at me. I got so pissed off. <laughs> they irritated me. Their, their seeming complacency bothered me. <laughs> but I'm busy seeking. Oh, son, sit down. Have some tea. I don't have time for tea. Where's the meditation hall? <laughs> son, sit down. Make some rice for us. No, no. <laughs> so, that's what I find, you know, with people in, in, uh, in addiction. There is already a spiritual condition. You are one. You know, that's what we are. We're living, manifesting, expressing spiritual condition. One of the things that are manifesting is a mental condition. And I would say the mental condition is sort of a hog. It's taken all the cards of the game. And it's reading the game. It's made an ace into a deuce. It's made a jet. It changes everything. And it fucking plays its own little game. Yeah? And people have to go to meetings. They have to be reminded that things are okay. Because that alarm's going off all the time. Yeah? They have to realize, yeah, it's okay, you know? It's all right. You can chill out today. You have permission. So they seek pseudo-authorities that they end up usually resenting. So they give them permission to, to be okay. It's mind-boggling. So I don't know. This is just an invitation to travel later. If you can see what's causing you not to travel lighter, sooner or later, while seeing what's causing you not to travel lighter, the attention's going to land on the scene, and you're going to get a big hit. Oh, so that's the real functionality here. It's the scene. The scene precedes all.
consciousness, the awareness is the beginning and the end. Yeah? And then when you forget, the seeing is incessantly on, it's going to hit you again. And then the attention will swing from what's being seen to what's seeing. And when it lands on there, after a while, it's going to realize that's its nest. The attention will stop going to mental fucking objects and physical objects and dwelling on them all day. It will go to its own source, something quite like itself, which is no thingness. You don't see attention. You know, it's not quantified. It's not a thing. It doesn't run out. It doesn't have a certain amount of, yeah? It's of another realm. It's an activity of another realm. When it finds its... Uh, the counterpart to it, I believe its source, which is that awareness, it tends to go there and abide there. And just what you would call obsession with self and the abidance in truth is just the placement of the attention. When the attention is placed in the mental condition, it can turn into obsession with self. That's its abidance in the lie, its obsession with self. When it's resting in its source, that's abidance in truth. It's the same attention. It just shifts. It stops landing on that one fucking perch sense of doership, alpha and omega of everything. I'm the subject. No, there is, you are the subject, but not as the subjectified. You're not the little subjectivity that's making a little mini movie of life for you. You're not that. That's a distortion or a bastardization of subjectivity. Yeah? It's like a pale reflection of subjectivity going through a mental process. And then we call it, oh, I'm the one who's seeing. I'm the one who's feeling. I'm the one. You become the source of that subjectivity. But you're not the source of subjectivity. Yeah? There is no source of subjectivity. You're not that. And that's damn good news. Because you'll lose interest in yourself and your little plans and designs. And you'll gain interest in other things. People, life. And you know what? You'll be better off for it. And after you travel like it for a while, you'll realize you're better off for it. And you'll start appreciating and honoring it. So maybe you'll come here to hear it, to be reminded, and then you just watch as your days go. And they just... The moment, obviously, isn't a day, you know? It's not parceled into time. And you'll see all the particulars will wash away of most of your days, but you'll have the sense of the panoramic of the, of the moment, the moment that all this partition is happening in, you'll have a sense of that. That's what you'll be traveling. You won't be traveling in the daily little activities, but you'll be traveling on a very large scale, which has nothing to do with movement. You're not moving at all, in a sense. There's just that awareness. Yeah? This stuff has big influences on you. Your mind changes. <laughs> if it's in self-centeredness, that self-centeredness is going to get bigger and bigger until it blows up, and then it will be non-self-centeredness. It will be centeredness. Yeah. And, uh, it's nuance, and it's... It's constantly changing shade and color. There's never a moment of boredom around it, I'll tell you that. It's just incessantly on. It's sort of like an infinite... Uh, face, you can never get tired of looking at it. It's always more, you know, happening. Yeah. And I found it worked. I was, I had the experience of being extremely obsessed with the idea of me, me, as a mental fixation, and it was really like a hell, a mental hell. 
I remember sometimes I'd be driven so much I'd shoot almost anything. One time I shot up adrenaline, you know. And that was one of the worst mistakes I ever made. I shot it up with this French girl and we didn't want to be with each other but we couldn't have been with anyone else. We were both vibrating for like 12 hours and it was like un-fucking-believable what was going on in my head. It was like if I had nails I would have scratched the whole wall down. I was just going and there was no relief available. Yeah, What would drive one to try to get relief and produce such an incredible opposite effect? <laughs> An incredible, an incredible addiction. Wanting to get relief from the original addiction, the conditional mind being addicted to what it's made of, the sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It can never find fulfillment, and every other addiction is just trying to get relief from that one. I'll tell you the truth. And I'll tell you, I tried doing drugs. I was probably one, in my own way, I was the best drug user you could possibly be. So if drugs could transcend this place, I would have done it. But you can't transcend something that's imaginary. You can't do it. You'd have to have a real place to get out of. And so every moment I was trying to get out of an imaginary place, it produced a really insane imaginary place. This mental palace of exquisite suffering <laughs> that I was, I was constantly in. And then I got relieved of it. Man. The first major relief was recovery. And then recovery, and it's not cause and effect, but then I was led to this message, and this illuminated the possibility of recovery. It expanded the possibility of recovery. It just illuminated it. It just, it just suffused it with light. And I saw possibilities I wasn't seeing before. And like they say, what the mind can conceive, it can achieve. What, what the mind cannot conceive of is really of something else. Yeah? Conceive and achieve is a minor ball game. When the mind is raw, to entertain its own rawness or its own imminence, that's sleeping something. Yeah, that has a big effect. Yeah? You get to be skylight in a way. Even though your body may hurt or your circumstances may have you like fly paper stuck in this place, but your mind is like sky. Yeah? Yeah. So. yeah. So we come here this Saturdays. Hopefully we all seem to travel lighter that day at least and it tends to last. And then after a while you realize you feel almost exactly the way you felt when you were here last Saturday to this Saturday. Yeah? <laughs> it's just... You have a, and then the baseline is set. Instead of irritability, restlessness, and discontent, you sort of have a basic ease and comfort, you know, all day. And then... The tra- travails of life appear, but they don't... You know what happens if a, an agitated note hits on a base of agitation? Fuck, it gets really loud. When an agitation hit notes, I mean a note hits on a base of ease and comfort, it gets embraced by the ease and comfort. It's acknowledged, but it doesn't take the whole symphony on a course of destruction. Yeah? It gets embraced. What you are overrides the circumstances and situations you find yourself in. You outshine them. You outshine them. Instead of constantly being at the effect of people, circumstances, situations, your inherent nature outshines them. You walk around 
outshining your circumstances and situations. And there's no need for vigilance because you're not doing it. <laughs> you're just walking around as clumsily, <laughs> as clumsily as you always have, at least in my case. But somehow, the light seems to buffet all the blows, you know? You don't get whacked as bad. Yeah, it's good news. You're inherently that, so there's no there's nowhere to go to get it. You just need to be reminded of it. I, for me, when I was reminded of it, first at first, it was like an unspoken yes. Something hit me, and that was it was really a done deal. Yeah, it just it 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 played itself out over time, but it was a done deal because I just heard it and I got it. Yes. Because yeah. I was trying to figure something out, but I I was caught in the dif- defines of doing. I'm the doer, and I'm doing all these things to get to know the doer better, instead of realizing I'm not the doer. <laughs> Someone saved you a lot of time. Hey, you're not the doer, bro. What? <laughs> I'm going to go home and think about that. No, just entertain it. All right, I did. It's different. Thinking and entertaining are different, really. Just like if it's a novel idea that maybe you haven't heard before, don't... The, the doorman is thought, you know, it always wants to check it, all right, to pat it down, all right, this is comply with my framing, all right, I'll let it in. But if you can get past the doorman, then the mind can entertain it. Yeah? It sort of like almost absorbs it, it almost takes it in, and, and then what happens is it digests it, and then it regurgitates it back to your little conceptualized idea, but now it's got a, a foolproof. The conceptual idea can't bastardize it. Yeah, it's like a living virus in the conceptual frame, and it starts eroding it. It does. It's beautiful what happens. Yeah? It erodes from the inside out. Your whole, you know, your citadel where you're perched to look out at things gets eroded. It collapses. Yeah, it just. <laughs> The whole thing, the first floor is taken out, second floor, and suddenly your whole house of cards has fallen. <laughs> What's left is space, spatialness of mind. That's its quality. Space. It's not structure. That's, uh, that's the mental condition. The mental condition is a honeycomb, an imaginary honeycomb, a labyrinth. But, there's, but mind itself is spacious, yeah? It hasn't formed into rigidity, right angles. It hasn't crystallized into beliefs and dogmas. No. It's raw, yeah, like when you were a kid. Yeah. So, and it hasn't gone anywhere. It's not like it, it got arthritic and rigid. It just appeared to be. Yeah? It's just the fucking appearance. Everything is. That's the solution. Nothing is real. The mind can't be defined by a posture it seems to be in. It seems to be moving in self-centeredness, but it's not self-centered. It's not. It's just. It's just. A, it's functioning through the system of self-centeredness, but it's much bigger and wider than that. It's just sort of got caught in this one little, like, uh, damn like Erie Canal type thing, yeah. But it's not. That's not. It's not defined by the system that it seems to be appearing through. So, yeah. And there you have it. It's a subdued day, I feel, today. I think I've got to go to REI and see if they have any used sneakers. <laughs>